Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor story jumpers welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast are you ready to hear a great story of course that's why you're a story jumper if getting tackled is the best way to make new friends that's okay with jack after all starting fifth grade at a new school is even rougher than peewee football. But how can he join the Lions and help Ellison build the most epic bookmobile bike ever? Jack devises the perfect game plan until he fumbles it with the most epic bike crash ever and a game day disaster. Can Jack recover his friendship with Ellison? And can God use a playing field or a moving library to build understanding and foster forgiveness? Enjoy this reading of Lions to the Rescue by Amanda Cleary Estep. Chapter 1. Into the Lion's Den. I stood, frozen, before the massive, gaping jaws. Hundreds of innocent children streamed around me, sucked into the giant maw, swallowed whole, never to be seen again. At least until the final school bell rang. I stood in front of the double doors of my new school. First through eighth grade students filed past me and into the building, laughing and talking to their friends. But I was already looking forward to the end of the first day of fifth grade. This felt like double starting over. I'd already moved from my grandparents' farm to the suburbs at the beginning of the summer. This kind of starting over was harder and way less fun than going back to the beginning of a video game quest. Worse than playing chutes and ladders. Scarier than a new-to-me blue house in a neighborhood where people live on blocks instead of on acres. Come on, you're going to make me late for third grade! My little sister, Midge, yanked forward on my arm. How can I be a biologist if I'm late for science? As if she'd been reading my mind the way mom does, she added, You actually have to go through the doors. It's a school, not the mouth of a bowhead whale. Then she skipped right into the belly of the beast, leaving me all alone. I watched as her ladybug backpack and flyaway blonde hair disappeared into a sea of dark blue and white school uniforms. Kids jostled and waved and laughed around me. The backpack I'd used since third grade hung heavy on my shoulders. Maybe the triple-decker bologna sandwich I'd made for lunch was weighing it down. I hefted the backpack and blew a puff of air upward. The cowlick my mom had slicked down earlier that morning popped back up. Mom had insisted on waiting with us for the bus. Just as it squeaked to a stop in front of our new house on Cherry Avenue, 
Mom licked her palm and smeared it over my wayward hair. A bazillion kids watched from the windows. Nope, not embarrassing at all. Now, hair stuck straight out over my forehead. I stepped bravely through the double doors and into the main entrance of Deer Creek Christian School. The hallways were filled with the chatter of students and the rattle of combination locks. The air was a mix of floor cleaner, freshly sharpened pencils, dryer sheets, and nervous sweat. Probably mine. The beige doors and cinder block walls leading to who knows where were plastered with colorful posters. One with a roaring lion with the words, God is great, over its head. Another with a stick bug and a tree branch with the Bible verse, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18.24 A banner stretched across the main wall. Welcome back, students, 1995-96. through 96. Everyone seemed to know one another and to know where to go. I was the only kid standing like an empty flagpole in the middle of the hallway. I'd had a dream just like this once, except I had also forgotten to study for a math test. And I was riding a giraffe. Jack, buddy, you're a pro at making friends. My dad's encouragement over the speakerphone that morning echoed in my head. He'd called from his out-of-town job. You're friendly. Funny, a great ball player. Midge had piped up too. And you use that fancy man deodorant now, so you don't stink. I looked around and spied a huddle of three guys. One short, one tall, and one about my size who had a football tucked under his arm. He led the way as he and his two friends started to walk in my direction. What would I say? Hi, I'm Jack Finch. I'm friendly. I'm funny. I don't stink? I started to smile, but my mouth was so dry my upper lip caught on my front teeth. All three gave me that sideways, you must be the new kid, glance as they hurried past me without even a, hey. My hand froze halfway to an awkward wave. To cover, I raised it higher and smoothed my palm over my cowlick like I hadn't even noticed them. At this rate, I'd be making new friends by eighth grade. Chapter 2. The Three Peewees So far this summer, I had survived tornado weather, getting lost in the woods, and even Buzz Rublatz, the neighborhood bully. Why did the first day at my new school feel so much tougher? Jack! Jack Finch! I blinked to clear my head and scanned the still bustling crowd of students, from the shortest first grader to the tallest eighth grader. Cutting a path through the blur of blue plaid uniforms came a neatly dressed kid. Brand new basketball shoes, freshly trimmed flat top, and white shirt tucked all the way into his pants. Like always, he was carrying the latest book he was reading. Ellison! I shouted, tucking my shirt tail in and realizing I'd forgotten my belt. I waved like a big nerd. To my relief, Ellison also waved back like a big nerd. Ellison Henry is my, well, yeah, I'd say he's my best friend. He lives right down the street from me on Oak. It didn't take long for him to invite me, and even Midge, 
to join his group of friends, the Tree Street Kids. Roger Jennings lives on Pine, and Ruthie Galinsky lives on Maple. When I lived on the farm, my nearest friend was a two-mile bike ride away. But since we'd moved into the house on Cherry Avenue, I'd hung out with Ellison, Roger, and Ruthie almost every day. Ellison raised his hand for a high five. Hey, sorry I couldn't take the bus with you this morning, he said. I rode in with my mom. She had to get Booker and Langston to their first day of kindergarten. They were Ellison's twin brothers and were named after writers, just like Ellison was. I'm pretty sure Ellison would be a book instead of a kid if he could. He motioned for me to follow him down a side hall full of lockers. I'm number 27, I said. Cool, I'm 25, Ellison said. He soon stopped in front of the tall and narrow blue locker doors. 25, 26, and 27. Unlike in my bad dreams about school, I managed to conquer my locker combination in one try. I dropped my backpack at the bottom, fished out my lunch bag, and shoved it onto the top shelf, and slammed the door. We'd better get to the gym, he said, walking back the way we'd come. Opening chapel is about to start. The first bell rang just as we walked side by side through the double doors of the gym. Across the shiny wooden floor, kids filed into long rows of metal folding chairs that faced a raised stage. Ellison and I hurried to the middle section, marked by a red construction paper flag with a white number five. We crawled over a few kids seated at the end of the row and sidestepped our way to the middle. Ellison slid into his seat and stuck his nose into his book. As usual, I slid onto the cold seat beside him. It felt kind of weird for Roger and Ruthie not to be with us. They went to the public school in town. Roger would be starting fourth grade this year, and Ruthie would be in fifth, like us. The clanking of folding chairs and kids chortling announced the arrival of more fifth graders. I looked to my left. Filing down our row were the three guys who had brushed right past me in the hallway. Football players, Ellison mumbled. The kid in the lead was about my size, with curly blonde hair that someone had tried to slick down on top. Maybe his mom had tried the humiliating spit-on-palm trick before the bus picked him up, too. This had been the first summer since I was five that I hadn't played baseball. Football sounded awesome. I tried to play it cool this time. I leaned back in my folding chair, then lunged forward when it almost slipped out from under me. I quickly bent down to tie my already tied gym shoe to cover. The kid didn't seem to notice. He was high-fiving the fifth graders in the row behind us and some lucky fourth graders in the row in front of us. Anyone sitting here? He asked me. He nodded at the empty chair on my left, but he didn't wait for me to answer. Thanks, he said. He picked up the empty folding chair, turned it around, and plopped onto it to face the kids behind us. Chairs scraped and scooched closer to him. My summer was awesome, he began. Even I couldn't wait to hear why. I got to snorkel in the Bahamas, and the water is so clear you can see all the way to the bottom. And I was paddling around on the surface, and then... Da-da, 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 a shark started swimming along the bottom right underneath me. 
I mean, it was a baby shark, but I bet its mom was huge. Whatever, Ellison mumbled on the other side of me, turning a page in his book. That's not nearly as exciting as Treasure Island. I wasn't sure what Ellison had against football, except that maybe it didn't involve reading. All that page turning, plus practicing his fastball in my backyard over the summer, had turned him into a decent pitcher. Cool, I said to the kid, a little too loudly, mostly to cover for Ellison. Maybe his mom was Jaws. The kid looked straight at me. Everyone around us hushed. You're new, he said, like he had opened a Christmas gift only to find a pair of socks. Thanks, I answered. Thanks? I mean, I'm new to some people. <laughs> You're funny, he said. I'm DJ. I'm captain of the Lions football team. Pee-wee football team, Ellison mumbled from behind the book in front of his face. DJ leaned backward, tipping the chair to look around me at Ellison. Hey, Ellison, he teased. Any good tips from your football playbook? Hilarious, Ellison said. DJ smiled and shrugged. He pointed at the kids on the other side of him. The first one wasn't much bigger than Midge. This is Marky, also known as Sonic, fastest running back in town. Marky held out his hand for a handshake. When I reached out, he yanked his hand away and slicked back his already slicked back black hair. Ooh, too slow. The kid on the other side of Sonic took up nearly two chairs. Not including his high-top haircut, he stood a head taller than almost everyone in the gym. That's Minifridge, DJ said. His real name is Michael, but he's nicknamed after the way bigger William the Fridge Perry, Chicago Bears football legend. Yo, Minifridge yoed. He sounded older than my dad. A teacher stepped up to the podium on the stage to begin the opening assembly. DJ scooted his chair around to face the stage and never gave me a second look. Yep, making friends was going to be easy. Chapter 3 Join the Club The third bell seemed to signal a mad rush through the hallways. Instead of fighting the tidal wave of students, I let it carry me along to the main hallway. Kids crowded five deep at the bulletin board that stretched from one end of a long wall to the other. The massive board was covered in yellow construction paper and sign-up sheets for different clubs and sports. Cardboard borders with pictures of books, basketballs, pencils, and other schooly things were stapled around the edges. Painted in blue over one of the sheets of paper were the words, Be a lion and have a roaring good time. Join the Pee Wee football team. Two spaces left. Sign up by next Tuesday. Something like yesterday's lunch crept up into my throat. I squeezed my eyes shut and swallowed hard. I suddenly missed my old school, old friends, old baseball team. Moving isn't like being on vacation. You don't get to go back home. Even if you visit your old town, things aren't the way they were before. Allison stood next to me, his sharpened pencil raised and ready. Maybe he'd sign up for peewee football. Yes, finally something fun to join, 
Ellison said. He jumped up and down a little. I hoped he meant peewee football. Library club! He pointed at the sign-up sheet, shaped like an open book. Let's both join, it'll be awesome! He elbowed his way to the board. This kid would dunk books in milk and eat them if he could. I followed. Um, as amazing as talking about books and shushing people sounds, I said. I have an even better idea. I put my hands on his shoulders and veered him toward the peewee football sign-up sheet. I stood next to him and pointed at the two empty lines just waiting for our names. Look, there's only a couple of spaces left for new team members. We can be lions. He turned his head and stared at me from behind his thick, black-rimmed glasses. Football? Dude, do I look like I could survive getting tackled? His neatly pressed uniform pants had probably never seen a grass stain. His main upper arm workout came from holding a book in front of his nose. I imagined him squashed on the football field, his shiny basketball shoes sticking out from under mini-fridge. Maybe he had a point, but I decided to keep trying. You could be a quarterback. I curled my forearms toward my chest and flexed. You're always working out with those heavy books? And you learned how to pitch a pretty devastating fastball this summer. Ellison smiled so big, I could see that wobbly thing at the back of his throat. Devastating? Really? I'm that good? Okay, maybe I was exaggerating. I forced a smile. His shoulders slumped when I didn't answer. Oh, you're just being nice, he said. Too bad they don't pitch in football. He stepped back over to the library club sign-up sheet. Are you going to join or not? Suddenly, I didn't want to do anything but eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and go home to my dog, Arrow. The first day of school was hard enough without having to make so many major life decisions. Up and at him! Midge's voice cut through the crowd of kids before she did. I looked in the direction of her voice and spied what looked like two atoms the size of baseballs floating through the air toward us. What is that? Ellison said over my shoulder. Midge squeezed past two girls arguing over whether they should try out for cheerleading. She stood next to us and straightened the crazy headband she was wearing. Two springy springs stuck out from the top of her head like antennae. A styrofoam model of an atom was attached to the end of each. I pointed at the atom swaying over her head. What is that? I figured it was a good question. This is the official headgear of the Up and Atom Science Club, Midge announced. Get it? Up and Atom? She broke into her signature maniacal laugh. <sighs> she sighed, shaking her head. The atom swayed wildly. We scientists have such an explosive sense of humor. You are periodically funny, Ellison said, chuckling. That's because I think like a proton, she joked. Always positive. While they laughed at science puns, I tried to change the subject back to more important things. So, speaking of stuff that flies through the air, I looked straight at Ellison. Why don't you want to join football with me? 
besides getting tackled by kids twice your size and everyone's parents yelling at you at the same time from the sidelines, I couldn't see what Ellison had against football. What do you call it when a dinosaur kicks a field goal? Midge interrupted. A dino score! She laughed loudly as she turned and walked away, her atoms floating through the crowd of students. Ellison sighed. I don't want to join football because... Just as he started to answer, the bell rang for recess. He quickly turned back to the bulletin board and stepped up to the library club sign-up sheet. Because why? I asked. Ellison heaved a toothpaste minty sigh and lowered his pencil. Because the closest those guys ever get to reading Shakespeare is studying football playbooks. To be a lion or not to be a lion, I said in the best Shakespeare quotey voice I could muster. That is the question. Very funny, Ellison said. You should definitely hang out with DJ. He raised his pencil to the library club sign-up sheet. On one of the empty lines, he wrote, Ellison Henry in capital letters. Then he tucked the pencil into his flat top. Let's go. I'll show you around the playground. As we hurried down the hall to our lockers, I imagined my name in capital letters too. I just didn't know where. Deer Creek School wasn't uncharted territory for me. I'd spent a week here at the end of summer for the Super Steward Survival Camp. That's a whole other story. But I hadn't explored the playground. Ellison said the playground the way you might say Disney World, like it was a big deal. The place was buzzing with kids, smaller kids on swings and teeter-totters, older kids on the paved basketball court or hanging out on the jungle gym. Beyond the playground stretched 120 yards of glorious green football field. About a dozen kids were there tossing around footballs. I could see Minifridge all the way from where I stood on the other side of the chaos that is recess. Come on, Ellison said, tilting his head toward the jungle gym. I'll introduce you to some of my friends. Friends? After moving to Kingsgrove, I'd gotten to know Summer Break Ellison. I was still trying to get used to summer's over now and we're in school, Ellison. Of course he had friends besides me, Midge, Roger, and Ruthie. We were headed in the direction of the football field when it happened. A beautiful football spiraled through the air in a perfect arc, then hurtled straight toward Ellison. A distant, Ellison, catch, was the only warning. Just as I was about to intercept the ball and save him, Ellison did something amazing. He dropped his book and caught the ball. Oof! Mostly with his stomach but still a respectable catch. He gasped and coughed. What the? DJ, the guilty party, stood in the football field waving at us. Whoa, that was amazing, I shouted. I picked up Ellison's book and brushed the dirt off it before he could notice. Ellison didn't seem amazed. His eyes went from the book in my hands that now had a slightly bent corner to DJ, who was trotting toward us. Ellison took a shuddering breath and mumbled, 
the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Nice catch, E! DJ called as he got closer. Ellison dropped the ball at his feet and snatched his book back from me. Are you trying to kill me? He barked at DJ. And E is the fifth letter of the alphabet. It isn't my name. DJ stopped short. Sorry, he said, drawing out the E sound. Honest, I was just playing around. You could have broken my glasses. Ellison jabbed the nose piece of his glasses for emphasis. I can't read without my glasses. Maybe a joke would help lighten things up. Technically, you can read even if you can't see, I said. Ellison shook his head and replied with a book quote, as usual. Sometimes Matilda longed for a friend, someone like the kind, courageous people in her books. Hey, I'm your kind of courageous friend, I said. And who's Matilda? Ellison raised his book to his face and walked toward the jungle gym. DJ widened his eyes at me. What's eating him? I picked the football up off the grass. Bent book cover, I said. I didn't mention Ellison's dislike of football. Or book jokes. Or football players who joke about books. I studied the ball, scuffed all over with a glob of mud and a tuft of grass stuck to one end. It felt good to hold a football again. DJ held out his hands for me to toss it back. I spread my fingers across the top of the yellowed laces that ran like stitches along one side of the football. I dropped back a step and made a short pass. The ball spun perfectly as it sailed the short distance through the air. DJ caught it. Hey, nice spiral. You should sign up for the team. We need two more guys. I hadn't been part of a sports team since I moved away from my old town of Goodnow. I imagined wearing a blue and white Lions jersey with a number on it. Practice started a few weeks ago, he explained. But I could help you catch up between our regular practices. This day was getting way better. Um, sure, I said. Now I needed to tell Ellison I had decided to join the Lions. Cool. And tell Ellison he should sign up too. If he can catch like that all the time, he'd make a good wide receiver. Now, I just needed to convince Ellison to join the Lions. Story Jumpers, we're back on Tree Street in the 1990s, and we're also joined by Amanda Cleary Estep, the author of the Tree Street Kids series of books. Amanda, it's great to see you again. I know, again, I love it. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we always love catching up with you, and we love that Jack has another new adventure for us to explore. So what can you tell some of our Story Jumpers who are not familiar with this group of kids and where they live. What can you tell us about Jack and his friends? Well, Jack Finch is part of the Tree Street Kids, and the Tree Street Kids live on streets named after trees. Um, they're in, uh, like you said, they, they live in the 1990s, so you know we don't have a lot of computers and cell phones and iPads and those kind of things. Um, so the kids spend a lot of time finding adventures in their very own neighborhood, which is kind of stuck in the suburbs between um, the countryside where Jack used to live on the farm with his grandparents and the city of Chicago. 
Very cool. I remember being a kid in the 90s. I grew up on Elm Drive. So oh, I mean, this hits really close to home for me. You're an honorary Tree Street kid. Awesome. I love it. That's so great. Yeah, I can remember some of the adventures we had. We would ride our bikes to the golf course, and um, there was a pond there, and there were always a ton of turtles in the pond. So mm. we would catch as many turtles as we could. We'd bring them back to the house and put them in like a, a little kiddie pool. And I don't know how they did it, but without fail, those turtles escaped every time. So we'd be right back at the pond in a week looking for more turtles. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just made the adventure, uh, you know, it, it just made it repeat, right? Over yeah, and over again. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. It was a great way to spend the summer, you know, going up and down the streets, meeting kids. And, um, you know, that's something about Jack and all of the friends that he met in the last book um, over, you know, kind of the summer. Now... Jack and his friends, it's the fall, and they've got to head back to school. Yep, you hear that? There's a collective groan. I heard everybody at once moan and groan. So, I mean, you know, school's fine for someone who's returning to a school that they know and love and people that they're familiar with, but Jack is in a whole new ballgame. These are new kids. It's a new school. What in the world is he going to do? Well, you hit it on the head with ball game first. <laughs> um, this is so this is book three in the series so far, and it's Lions to the Rescue. So Jack has made some great friends in his new neighborhood. He has his best friend Ellison. Um, he has Roger and Ruthie who are, have become really good friends, and then of course his little sister Midge, who's always tagging along. But starting school is, as a lot of kids out there know, starting a new school especially is very scary. And so Jack really feels like he's kind of standing in front of the, the mouth of a whale <laughs> and about to walk in, uh, you know, on that first day of school. So Jack's really interested in sports and football and baseball and, and, and all of that. And so that's he, he thinks that might be a good way to make some new friends as well. Sure. Sounds like a great idea, but I don't think Ellison is into sports. I mean, this is a book kid. Right. Jack's best friend, Ellison, who is from his neighborhood. He, that's where he first met Ellison is very much a bookworm. Ellison always has his nose in a book and Jack's always trying to get Ellison to toss the baseball around or toss the football around. Um, so, so it is a bit of a challenge. Jack, Jack feels a little torn in this, in this book between, you know, the fact that he has a best friend in Ellison who he just really cares a lot about, but he also is trying to figure out how do I make new friends? And then at the same time, how do I get Ellison interested in, in peewee football? You know, so Jack wants to join the peewee football team. Ellison wants Jack to join the library club, which Jack thinks sounds very boring. <laughs> I think Jack's completely wrong. That sounds totally cool to me. I, I know. I would have been right there with, with Allison. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a lot of tension there and trying to figure out, you know, friendship and how does he fit, you know, how does Jack fit into his new school, make new friends, keep his, his best friend happy, all those questions that come up, so... So where did you fall in uh, the clubs or the groups or the organizations when you were a kid? Were you a, well, where were you? What, what group did you fall into? I was very much the bookworm. 
um, art and 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 reading. And I was part of the the school newspaper, and you know those kind of things. I always loved to write, and um, always wanted to write children's books. So here I am, all these years later. Um, yeah, still, now you're like the president. Of book. <laughs> <laughs> you're you made it. You're like the president of the club now. I can remember being in 4-H and um, you got to kind of learn different things, uh, whatever you had an interest in, 4-H would come around you and help you to learn more about that interest. So we had 4-H friends growing up and I was also, I remember being um, kind of a band geek. So we were in band Mm -hmm. and I played trumpet and I loved it and we had a lot of great fun time. Yeah, cool. But you know, it, you you kind of you kind of draw close to people who have similar interests, and um, I had friends in different groups, and it made it tough. Just like Ellison and Jack are facing, um, they wanted to do their thing, I wanted to do my thing. Sometimes we overlapped, but sometimes we didn't. It was tough. It was tough. Not to mention, um, if it was a new school with new teachers, this is going to be a hard year for Jack. So what what do the guys get into? further along in the book. I know that we just heard a small clip of this whole book. Um, and, and I love flipping through. You, you were generous enough to send me an early copy. And so I've already got a sneak peek. And the illustrations are great. The storyline is great. I, I really hope Story Jumpers pick it up and enjoy the whole thing. But where are these two fellas headed? What, what, can, you, what can you reveal to us about what's going to happen? Well, Jack and Ellison are really trying to figure out their friendship. And in the meantime, as, as we all do, we, we each have our own things that we like to do and the things that are important to us. And I think part of friendship is we want, especially our best friends, to feel like those things are important too. Um, even, if, even if Ellison isn't um, super interested in sports. Jack really has this desire for Ellison to to join up because I think part of it, Jack doesn't know anybody, so he's a little bit insecure, and he wants his best friend to to be part of the Pee Wee football team. Ellison really wants Jack to join the library club, really kind of for the same reasons because books are so important to Ellison. And in this book, um, Ellison's really discovering. Uh, Ellison is African-American and he's really discovering some books by African-American authors. And, and he, he wants to, he, he's, he, he's really enjoying that. He's finding books about people like him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wants his friends to read the books. He wants his neighborhood to be aware of these books. So his mission is to share more books especially by African-American writers, with his neighborhood. So Jack kind of starts out a little bit selfishly, I'll have to say. He figures if he helps Ellison get these books, get his books to the neighborhood, maybe Ellison will then join the Pee Wee football team. So sometimes I think what we want, maybe um, we try to you know kind of work things you know, with our, with our friends and maybe sometimes a little bit selfishly. Mm. Uh, Jack's really learning about um, just doing things because you're not just a best friend, but you're a good friend. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a that's a really good insight. Hopefully, he he learns to do that well. Um, something else I thought of while you were mentioning that you know Ellison wants to share these African American authors with his community. Um, we get in kind of a blind spot sometimes. Uh, we get blinded, I guess, by things that we are familiar with, and we only surround ourselves with what's familiar and what's what's comfortable and what's known. Mm. There's a lot to explore out there to discover and see things from a different perspective. Did the did the guys Jack and Ellison run into any trouble when when Ellison was trying to share these books with other people? Yeah, this is the first time uh, I think for Jack. So. Ellison is living, he and his family live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Ellison is black. And so this is the first time um, as they're delivering the books that Jack experiences some prejudice um, against his friend and maybe just maybe just prejudice or racism in general, because Jack Jack grew up on the farm and this isn't something he's witnessed um, firsthand. So he sees one of the neighbors respond pretty harshly to Ellison, and Jack isn't really sure why at first. Mm. Ellison has a little bit of a history with, with this neighbor, though, and he knows that she doesn't like him, and he knows why. He, she's, she's not um, comfortable with, with Ellison being black and living in her neighborhood, basically. So, but this is really an awakening for Jack to, to experience this. He's really, he's blind to it, like you said, because it's just not his experience. So seeing his friends suffer is, is quite a rude awakening for Jack. Yes, I imagine it would be. Hopefully he can, again, like you said, learn to be a good friend and step up, uh, you know, in defense of Ellison and just stand beside him, you know, uh, becoming more aware of the things that Ellison faces on a regular basis and be a good friend who can, you know, stand beside him, defend him, and even work with Ellison to spread these African-American authors around the community. So more people can explore um, that history, that culture, and, and more of the racism would be torn away. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I don't think God intends us to have separation uh, between each other for any purpose, right? Um, whether it's boy and girl or um, whether it's young or old or whether it's um, African-American or Caucasian or, uh, you know, any number of different uh, races. There's a, there's a lot of things that divide us, aren't there? Right. So, so hopefully these guys can figure out a good way to tear down some of those walls that divide us and and even become stronger best friends. Yeah, it's sad because what what God has intended, he's given us all these different um, and beautiful characteristics and traits and interests. And, and we're, we're different colors and we have, um, you know, just different likes and dislikes and, and ideas. And, and so that's, there's this, I mean, if you look at, just look at a um, a field full of flowers. There's all different, yeah, um, f- you know, colors and and scents and and insects and birds. And so God loves that. That's 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 the beauty of of variety. But at the same time, we're all supposed to be unified in Christ and and be that you know that one family. 
Um, but instead, um, you know, our sin just kind of looks at the things that are different and, and we let those things divide us instead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to finding out how Jack and Ellison are able to work it out. And maybe I'll learn a few things too, you know, one of the other things that I found interesting in this book is that, um, it reminded me how tough it can be to make friends and also sometimes to keep friends because we do have different likes, different interests. Sometimes we have different friend groups and one friend group says, well, if you're going to be with us, you can't be with them. Um, so confusing, you know, do you have any tips on how we can make friendships in different groups work or friendships with people who have different likes or interests, how we can make that continue to work? One of the best things to me about having a friend um, who has different interests is that you learn, you can learn something new and we don't necessarily. So, so Ellison doesn't have to become the best football player, although he, he ends up being a pretty good football player. <laughs> and, and Jack doesn't have to become a bookworm. But I think the important thing with friendships is to, to learn enough about things that interest our friends just because they're important to our friends. And if we love our friends, if we care about our friends, then we should at least take some time to learn about the things that are important to them. Because that's part, all those things are part of who we are. So if you say, well, I have no interest in, in books. I don't want to hear about books. I don't want to know what you're reading. Then you're kind of saying to your friend who likes to read, well, I don't care about that part of you. Mm. And the same thing with a friend that maybe likes, likes sports or likes different food or has a, is a different color than you. Um, and that's, you know, there's, there's kind of that idea in Lines to the Rescue where, Reading diverse books um, about different kinds of people is is a way that that we too can can learn about others and learn about different perspectives. And so, just like that, just like reading different books, having different kinds of friends will do the same thing. It makes us more of a whole person. Mm, yeah, we do get to experience a lot more um, that we never would have even been able to glimpse if we didn't get out of our shell or out of that one little. A blind spot that we might have. Right. Very cool. Well, I really, really, really enjoyed getting back to Tree Street. It's just, you know, so much fun to hang out with Jack and his friends, to see the adventures that they get into. Um, uh, there's more in the works, right? Right. Well, there's, there's another book out right now, and it's uh, book four is Mystery in Crooked Creek Woods. And uh, you and I will talk about that again at some point. In a, yes. In a I can't <laughs> but um, right now I'm working on some ideas and, and I, I hope there will be more books, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I have an idea. Jack could start a podcast with his best <laughs> friend, Andrew. And does, what this is a, it's a great idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Did they have podcasts in the 90s? I guess. Oh, yeah, I guess they didn't. <laughs> well, we'll work it out. We'll figure, maybe it'll be a mixtape. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us again. I well, really hope you. the Story Jumpers pick up the book and enjoy the whole series uh, as much as I have. Me too. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Parents, adventures, friendships, and faith testers, all under the watchful eye of a great big God. The Tree Street Kids live on cherry, oak, maple, and pine, 
but their 1990s suburban neighborhood is more than just quiet, tree-lined streets. Jack, Ellison, Roger, and Ruthie face challenges and find adventures in every creek and cul-de-sac, as well as God's great love in one small neighborhood. In the book series, set in the 1990s in the suburbs of Chicago, Amanda Cleary Estep invites kids to be part of a group of friends who face challenges that don't extend too far beyond the borders of their neighborhood. By engaging readers' imaginations, her hope is that they will laugh, learn, and grow in their faith right along with the Tree Street kids and their families. Amanda Cleary Estep is not related to Beverly Cleary, but wishes she were. She is, however, a children's writer, and The Tree Street Kids is her debut series. You can learn more about her books at treestreetkids.com.